The intro is so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> that it's like, hey, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, I can't even hear it. I mean, I, I'm muted when it's when it's going on, but it looks good. It looks cool. Yeah, yeah. It's like like all kind of music is pumping you up, and then boom, oh, there really? we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, quiet and quiet. Yeah, sleepy on a Monday afternoon. Um, I don't know. Should we have underlying music in the background? Maybe. Uh, yeah. Put people to sleep, I think. I, I Unless it's like Metallica it. or something. It's got to be yeah, something yeah. upbeat. But um, so, yeah, we're going to get into parody uh, in college football today. I'm going to try not to tick off any more quarterbacks, too. I ticked off Caleb Williams this week. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I got to stop myself. I mean, it, last week was Arch Manning, and this week is Caleb Williams. And I'm just going to try to go all week without pissing off a quarterback, um, if possible. Um, but you know, let's talk about the promo first. We'll get into parody. We won't talk about Arch or Caleb, uh, and that'll be refreshing to a lot of people because that's all I seem to talk about these days. Well, the quarterbacks are, are are always an interesting topic, and I saw the whole thing about he could have stayed at he's, he he might have been willing to stay at Oklahoma and all this stuff. And I, I will I will get it because I did see and I didn't see your stuff, but I did see a whole bunch of stuff on that. Anyway. Uh, <sighs> I, I I I you just can't blame the fans. You can't blame this, that, the other. You can't. Yeah. I mean, he, he he his father. It's not him. His father, you know, sort of said that when they got Dylan Gabriel, we knew we were leaving. Like, no, you went in the portal first. They had to get somebody. It's just life. But again, like, I think there's a disconnect. I think you know Carl Williams speaks, and Caleb doesn't, and then. They don't know what the other one's saying sometimes. So he kind of got upset at me uh, yesterday. And people think that I want that. I, I don't. I don't want viral. I don't want, you know, two million impressions on a stupid, you know, thought. Um, but it just keeps happening and I can't shut up. I just can't shut up. So I need to, like, learn to just settle. Well, thinking about that, the positive part is – you get me and Mike promoting you to the colleges that you may need an opportunity at. And I'll tell you a little interesting thing about the promo. Um, uh, a couple of big schools reached out to me this week about Ben Hartman. So um, uh, I have to follow. They, they, they're trying to just call, I don't know if they think that I'm his coach or something, but <laughs> I wasn't sure about that. But the whatever, however it's working, they reached out to me. They wanted to ask a couple questions about him. So, so uh, I I would be glad. I said I'll be glad to answer what I know from watching the film and stuff. And and but that's the whole point of the promo, right? We don't we meaning me and you don't care how the colleges find out about it or what it does. In the fact that it's so positive, it's it's such an entrenching thing all over social media because of our following that we know it's going to get to them. And then it's a matter of, hey, we want them to have that conversation, to ask that question. You know, what is it you think about him? You guys watched the film on him. You know, obviously we watched him pretty in depth and we like a lot about him. Um, and, uh, uh, and we want to do more and more and more like that for players. And the guys that have done our six-month promo – are really starting there in, I think, month two, I think most of them. Um, yep. They're really starting to get that that traction leading up to their preseason, and that's what we want, and that's the whole point of 
our stuff is out there. Mike, Mike's, you know, he does a, a really positive evaluation on things that he thinks you do well. Uh, I do in my own different way. And um, Mike's is a lot more on the film. I'm taking clips and different things. But the point is, is that it really, really does a great job of highlighting what you do. And that's what I like about it. And our goal is that the, the, the coaches see it. The guys who make decisions on this stuff see it. Take a look at it, which is what's happening because of our following. And then they're going to make the decision, obviously, ultimately what they like and don't like. But we're always glad, you know, I'm always glad to answer questions, uh, it, you know, from what I saw and, um, and and then go from there. But that's what it's all about. I When I got those coaches that reached out to me, I said, that's exactly what it's about. They're going back and forth. They've seen a few things on them. They want to know more. Yeah, and we did Hartman last week. Um, you know, so that extra, you know, he had, he did the one time, you know, a couple months ago, uh, and, and got some interest, you know, I got some FCS level offers and stuff like that. And then the second time now it's growing a little bit more. Uh, and then the third time. So what I did with his film is I, I cut up a minute originally, and then I cut up a different minute for the second one, you know, and some, some kids ask you what, what, you know, why don't you do six minutes? I'm like, no one's watching anything for six minutes. I know your huddle film is six minutes and, and 50 seconds or whatever. And that's great. That's fine. You know, keep doing that. That I don't mind. Just make sure you front load your best plays because coaches are going to watch about six plays, maybe five. And then they're going to see if they want to continue to watch. And if I do six minutes on you, it's not going to do you any good whatsoever. No one's going to watch the full six minutes. So with the six month program, you know, you get to put out something at first and then you get to put out more. And then I already talked to him, you know, next month I'm going to put out some, uh, you know, some, some camp stuff, not, not, you know, huddle film. It's going to be, you know, camp stuff, lifting stuff, agility stuff, um, you know, some drills, Oklahoma drills and stuff like that, that he's done uh, and worked on. And then as we get into the season, then we can start with new film. Um, the other cool thing that happened is I haven't done this evaluation yet, uh, but there's a QB in Pennsylvania that I'm doing in this. Uh, <laughs> I followed him on Twitter and his dad said it made his day. You know, he's like, I think he's a rising freshman, but his dad, you know, pointed out to me, like you absolutely hundred percent made his day. Like the kid was walking on air all day and I'm like, cause I followed him. And he's like, yep. And I said, wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's probably worth the one-time promotion in and of itself. If nobody, if nobody you know, does anything, you get that. Because um, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was like a real fun honor for kids to have somebody verified who follows you, who's been around doing this for a while. Um, so that was neat. And I was actually not having the best day in the world because of the aforementioned uh, quarterback issue and that kind of brightened my day a little bit like oh well at least I made someone else's day better while everybody's just absolutely pissing on me <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm glad that that happened and I think you know um, quarterback that you mentioned uh, he was at last year not this year one of the seven on seven tournaments that I run big tournament and uh I, I had spoken with his father, actually. It, this is how relationships are built. He 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 had spoken at me. There was something going on at the tournament, and I was running the tournament. And he had spoken to me there at that tournament. 
Um, and uh, so what happened was uh, he had saw the promo and remembered that we had talked and was like, oh, yeah, this is the, the same person. So I thought that that was really interesting because um, he had asked me, he's like, yeah, I was at the tournament talking to you. And I was like, yep. So, you know, that's why you never know who you're going to talk to. In, no. In- and the other cool part about it is, you know, like I, I'm dealing with this one side of things, you know, Arch Manning doesn't need promotion. <laughs> you know, he hasn't needed promotion since he was born. Um, you know, Caleb Williams needed it when he was in ninth grade, you know, and then when he became a five star by his junior year, obviously nothing needed 50 offers. You deal with that universe, right? Which is the, I won't say diva because. I don't know Arch Manning and I don't know Caleb Williams, um, but the mega star quarterback. And then you see the quarterbacks and the parents of the quarterbacks that are getting little attention to no attention. And they look at these, these kids sometimes and they like, this kid's complaining that he's getting all this attention and, and I'm trying to get some. And so I'm dealing with polar opposite worlds. Like the engagement is up like crazy. So more and more people are looking at my feed because of the megastars. And that's going to help the, the smaller name quarterbacks uh, get their their notice. So I guess it's part of it. It's not like I'm, you know, Robin Hood feeding from the rich to give to the poor or anything like that. And it's not like I'm doing this on purpose. You know, I don't want abuse. Uh, but the abuse that I am taking about these big name quarterbacks is going to help these these uh, these unknown quarterbacks quite a bit. Oh, I agree with it. And I think, you know, certain positions, um, there's a lot of guys that are really good. And I think it's important that they get their name out there because there's very few taken at those positions. Right. So quarterback is a great example of that. Um, you know, eventually we might have to get get to the kicker realm. Right. Because that's also a very difficult one. For, for a variety of reasons, although their parents are wild. Their parents are <laughs> they're crazier than quarterback parents. They're worse than quarterback parents. Like they're the worst parents. No offense, but they're the worst parents ever. And I think it has to do with scarcity, right? So scarcity scarcity breeds uh, uh anger. Desperation uh, <laughs> and anger and you know the want for attention. And that's a niche, you know. I mean like Cole kicking camp, and it's kind of neat because he does both worlds, right? J.J. Cole, the quarterback on Ohio State, but he's been in the kicking world forever. And they're different animals. You know, quarterbacks, if they don't get attention, they they still have an outlet. They still have an opportunity. You know, you could still – we've got a couple of quarterbacks that are under the radar, one 2023, one 2024. Um, and, and some of the other guys we're doing are younger kids. Kickers? Yeah. I mean, you're not just, you're not, there's no scholarship for half the schools anyways. They're not scholarship, you know, kickers and they're, they're walk-ons and it's a tougher, tougher road. Um, so I get the level of frustration and, and desperation and the want for attention, but I don't think so. I don't know. I, how can I do a minute on positives of a kicker? I don't know, because the only time you really, the truth is the only time you really know like I've seen all the kicking camp stuff and it's great. You know, like those, like Cole and sailor, those guys have built like amazing business. I mean, you, I can learn a lot yeah. from those guys and how to build a business in an area that I would think would really be difficult to build a business because exactly what you said, there isn't as many scholarships. 
um, at those positions. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a situation where unless they're kicking in a game in front of XYZ amount of people kicking those same kicks under difficult situations, it is really hard to get a full judgment on them, which must be why a lot of these guys make them go as walk-ons because you could be a great kicker in high school. Um, and if you have great protection, meaning like you play in a very good team and you're a really good kicker, you're probably not getting a lot of pressure in your kicking situations. But if you um, in college, you're always going to have some level of heat, somebody jumping, somebody diving, and uh, they always just miss. Right. It's it's everything's about timing. So it's so it's so hard to really judge them until they get in that situation because high school you're either on a team that never gets the kick because they're 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 not scoring that much or you get yeah. you're on a great team and you have great protection so they never get to you anyway. Yeah, I will give some advice though to kickers and punter and long uh, not long snappers but kickers, kickoff specialists, kickers, punters. So this is how I could do a minute and I think it's really something that they don't do and they should do. The athleticism of a kicker and punter is extremely important, and it's very, very underplayed when I see kicking film. I see extra points. I see, you know, 50 yarders in practice. I see this, that, and the other. I'm going to draw it. I'm going to fade it like the golfers. Athleticism is important. I've talked to many, many coaches over the years that will offer a scholarship punter because he's an athlete. You wonder, well, why does he need to be an athlete? Okay, well, First of all, he needs to jump for a bad snap. Secondly, he has to have good hands to handle a bad snap. And sometimes he's the guy who has to make the tackle. Um, you know, you don't want that. You want the other 10 guys to make the play. But as a kicker and as a punter, you better be able to work in space and move and shift because that could be the differentiator between a kid who's kicking, you know, 45-yard punts with an average hang time uh, the same as another kicker with the same average and one's, you know, not athletic at all. And the other one is an athlete and can move. Uh, they're going to take the kid who can move. Um, and that's something I learned really, really early, like late 1990s. One of my original coaches that I dealt with was a special teams coach. Um, and I never knew that. Never. Just as a, as a football fan, I never knew that they looked into the athleticism and, and all that stuff. So from there, every time I got kicking film and it was missing that element, it was different from what, what he had seen and looked at. I was always curious why kickers don't do that. That's an interesting point. Now, punter, I always assumed that would be the case because bad snaps, you got to feel it. Sometimes you have to do a fake, you know, like it's not often, but when they need it, they need someone who could do something there. Right. The, your guy cannot be a zero threat to do something. So right. he has to. So I see a lot of times these guys who are ex quarterbacks that are punters in, in college, but they weren't quite good enough to be a division one punt. I mean, a quarterback, but they were, they had that leg and they were a really good punter and they end up being a punter in college. Right. And I think, but kicker, that's an interesting, I never realized that on kicker because of the fact that they have to tackle sometimes like that's the right. That has to be the worst thing. Guy breaks it in the open. The only person left is a kicker and he has no chance of tackling him. That's seven points. Well, guaranteed. And you, and you know, the guys like CJ Spiller, who's returning the kicks, you know, you know, he's a, a 10, 100 meter guy, you know, so they don't expect you to run a four three, but they expect you to be able to slow him down, trip him up, 
do anything to get in the way. Um, and that takes some athleticism. And, you know, the other part about it is, you know, Danny White was one of my favorite players growing up. And he was a quarterback at Arizona State. And he could also punt. And the Cowboys were extremely dangerous because he was their punter. But he could throw, he could run, he could do a lot of different things. Um, and Tom Landry sort of gave him the go-ahead and said, if you see an opening, go. Um, which Tom Landry was a very controlling person, discipline. But he let him make that decision. Now, I don't think college coaches are going to do that. But when you talk about punters, you know, not all fake punts are planned. It could be a bad snap. It could be off schedule. It could be somebody coming in free. You have to be able to move around and have vision and all that stuff too. So I could do a minute on kickers and punters, but it couldn't be just, you know, look at his foot. You know, it's really, he's got a strong leg. You know, the way he explodes into the ball, you know, blah, blah, blah. I can't do a minute on that, but I could do a minute on them as a complete athlete, as a kicker. And that's, a huge difference for, for colleges that it, it just really is. And I'm not here to give kicker advice. Um, you know, I think I mentioned on the last podcast, my thoughts about kickers. Uh, but if, if someone's interested in that, they have to provide that athletic information for me. If I'm a college coach and you don't provide athletic information on this kid, does he play another sport? Does he do this, that, and the other, you know, what's his vertical? I'm not even looking at him probably unless he's got a howitzer of a leg. And he, he punts it, you know, 65 yards every time. It makes a ton of sense. Let's uh, let's move to some parody talk. Mm, which there's none. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I <laughs> agree with that. Um, and, and it was interesting because, you know, as we mentioned on the pre, pre-podcast, uh, there was t- some, you know, commitment this week. There was um, uh, Nick Saban talked a little bit about uh, pa- parody saying there's a there's a need. Uh, <laughs> I think I find it erotic when he says these things, but you know, there's always a defenders like uh, Josh Pate always defends, uh, always defends Nick Saban on everything he says. And, and I actually think Nick Saban has a lot of interesting intent in what he says, meaning there's a lot of truths in the things that he's saying, but I just find it funny when he talks about parody, when he completely dominates the marketplace in 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 recruits um and uh uh you know look conference realignment is not going to do anything positive for parity nal hasn't done in my opinion anything positive for parity i'm glad for the kids uh, listen make make whatever if they say you can make money go make yeah money. but make uh money. go make money but as far as parity is concerned though none of those things have have helped it i think it's funny that um, the coaches who are at the top of the top, anytime you open something, like transfer portal, NAL, they don't have to say anything. They know that they're going to benefit from that because either they are a, a better recruiter, be in a better situation um, or, or C have better resources. Right. So it's, it's either a, B or C of those things. And so they're going to benefit from it. Whereas, uh, San Diego State may get a transfer from Wisconsin and he might be very good for them, but it's not like that guy, they're not getting the transfer that was the starting running back at Wisconsin. No, no, no. Yeah, Braylon Allen at Wisconsin is not transferring down. Um, you know, and that's just the way things is, the way life is. And I think Saban honestly really does believe 
parity is important and exists because coaches that think that way, like to him, six national titles in 12 years is parity. He really does believe that in his mind. Like the fact that he hasn't won it every year, the fact that he lost to Georgia last year, uh, he feels there is parity. Now, so when he talks about more parity, he's not talking about, you know, Wake Forest playing in the national championship game or, you know, Rutgers breaking through. He, he's talking about him not winning every year. And I think he says it to challenge himself. And I really think he started this spat with Jimbo Fisher to challenge himself. And I think, you know, after he lost to Kirby Smart, I think he sort of reset. So, you know, on his, on his competitiveness, um, so last week I put out a coordinators under fire type of thing. And, and it's a different level than, you know, a coach on the hot seat, you know, so everybody at Nebraska is under fire, even the new coaches, uh, even Mark Whipple, you know, who's a brand new offensive coordinator there because if Frost goes, everybody goes. Um, at Alabama, Bill O'Brien, I put him on the hot seat and everybody's like, are you crazy? What's wrong with you? I said, listen, if they don't win two years in a row, Saban's going to lose his mind. And, and people are going. He doesn't put up for that. And especially when you have Bryce Young, especially when you, when you have a, an offense that's supposed to score 50, 60 points a game. If you lose two games and don't win the national championship, I don't care who you are. He brought Bill O'Brien into his coach's rehab, right? And those guys usually go on to become head coaches elsewhere, you know, Kiffin, Loxley, some of those other guys. But you have to have success to do that. If you don't, your rehab is out the window and you're going to be canned. And so I find it funny that people say there's, you know, there's no pressure on Bill O'Brien. They average like, you know, I don't know, whatever, 40 some points a game last year. It's different at Alabama. They didn't win. They lost the final game and that's not the way it should be. So Saban has a different level of parity in his mind. To us, parity is, boy, it'd be really cool to see like Purdue or Minnesota in the Big Ten break out into the playoff. We saw Michigan State do it. We saw Penn State get robbed. You know, but in most part, it's been Ohio State. And and if it wasn't Ohio State, it's Michigan this past year. Let's see Iowa. Let's see Purdue. Let's see Nebraska. Let's see somebody else from the West of all places. Um, and and we're not going to see that. It's just it's it's going to happen every once in a while. You know, Cincinnati last year is an example. It's not going to happen very often. Well, I think what's interesting, too, with uh, USC and UCLA going, well, that California challenging now, the state of California, challenging USC and UCLA's move. And it was interesting. I think we talked about it last week that I said, you know, I thought that UCLA, because it's a state school, them, California kind of exuding their will because of the California state school system, um, now then also puts pressure on USC that it was a smart move by the state of California if they want to get UCLA back, which I don't think is going to happen. They've already said it's not going to happen. But right. uh, but but I thought it was a smart move to try to do that because they they could see what's going to happen already that you're Stanford's in danger, right? Stanford could go to an ACC um, down the line, right? Uh, so could Cal, which is also higher education school. ACC has a lot of those better uh, education schools in there. Um, you know, you got your Dukes and the Carolinas and all those kind of schools. They all think of uh, – they are very good. Virginia, they all think of themselves that way. If they're going to save the ACC, 
that's what they would want to do to save it, you know, in, in the long run. So I think that they're very worried about that, and they were hoping to put pressure on UCLA. But that's an example of why does UCLA and UC have to go to the Big Ten in, in their minds, right? Because they know that if they're stuck in a Pac-12 with not as much money, not as much resources, they can't pull transfer guys, they can't spend enough money on NIL, NIL even though USC probably has endless donors, but in the long run, meaning five years from now, if they're only getting three million, whatever, thirty million a year versus whatever you could get, uh, eighty million from from another uh, conference, it's a big difference. So they can't spend as much, and that's what the the issue comes down to: why UCLA and USC have to move uh, at this point. You know, that's where the parity comes in. Like, so then is you know the question is: Does all that money ever help Rutgers? Right? Does it ever help? Minnesota, like you said, does it, you know, Wisconsin's on the brink always. They're always close. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have a a unique brand that helps them, you know, as far as, you know, they, they use the uh, double tight ends, double full, you know, double right. fullbacks. They got the gigantic lineman. And so they've kind of, that. I, I, honestly, it's a tribute to Barry Alvarez because you remember when they were just dog meat, you know, in the mm-hmm. early 90s when he took them over. And he built a brand that was like, this is who we're going to be. It's totally different. Now, the question is, can they become champions doing that? You know, I don't know if that's possible. Probably not. But he also requires that of his coaches. I mean, you know, Bielema and Chris and those guys have to follow the Barry Alvarez blueprint of, you know, 6'6", 350-pound offensive linemen, big running backs, physical, good defense. Um, You know, but they're they're not going to break through. And I think USC and UCLA is actually going to make the strong stronger. I think it's going to make Ohio State even better. I mean, I saw something the other day that said 80% of Ohio State's roster is four and five stars. And that's the only team up north that has that. That could grow. That could be 85% because now they've got a, 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 you know, a better standing in California. Um, yep. It's, it's scary. Um, you know, and, and, you know, to the expansion point you know greg sankey said um you know they're they're not going to mess with the acc because those grant rights essentially what he said to the acc is fix your fix your problem you know you've got guys locked into 2036 we're not going to mess with any of that legal mumbo jumbo we're not going to go after clemson and, and north carolina and virginia until you figure out how to get out of those grant rights deals you know, we're happy with Texas and Oklahoma. We even said that Texas and Oklahoma were better additions than USC and UCLA. And I believe them, but, you know, USC and UCLA going, Texas and Oklahoma going into different conferences actually, I think, makes everybody stronger um, that is already strong. You look at the teams like Nebraska, Missouri, and Texas A&M and others that moved to different conferences, and it was supposed to help them. And they haven't moved the needle at all in their new conferences. So Oklahoma and Texas, who are big fish at the Big 12, and USC and UCLA, who have a route to the playoff if they go undefeated out there, well, none of those things are going to happen. They're, they're no longer big fish in the, in the SEC when you move there, and USC and UCLA aren't going to run the table in the Big Ten. So I think it makes those programs less apt, and I think we're going to see a whole lot of Georgia, a whole lot of Alabama, a whole lot of 
LSU every few years because of their distinct recruiting advantage of owning the state of Louisiana, which is one of the top six talent-producing states in the country, and they have no competition for recruits other than Saban coming in or Jimbo coming in and trying to steal one here or there. Um, and then Ohio State, and, and you're going to see a whole lot of the same teams. That's why playoff expansion is going to be important because on any given Saturday, you could have an upset. If you get a team like a Wisconsin, you know, into a playoff and they're playing a team, you know, that maybe Oklahoma, that maybe sort of a more of a finesse program and they line up those offensive linemen, they run it down their throat. They have a chance to pull a big upset. Um, but then eventually they're going to meet Alabama or Georgia and get whacked. I mean, that's just the way it is right now. And Clemson, I, I have to include Clemson in there as well because they continue to recruit really well and reload and they're going to be fine as well. No, oh, there, there, there's no doubt about it. I, I think, I think there's a really good point on playoff expansion. Um, that if the one of those guys can get in, you know, you get them in the right situation. A Wisconsin's a good example of that, and they start pounding you, and something happens, um, and they're able to stay close. Next thing you know, Oklahoma's just getting run over. You get in these uh, eight yards a clip runs. Uh, which Wisconsin has done at different times, you know, they've caught people because of that. I think that's, I, I think that's a, a, a big thing. I think the LSU, you're so dead on about LSU. First of all, Louisiana, you and I've been down there many times. The, they have their own culture. So I think LSU has not just a competitive advantage because I remember the first time I ran a camp there, I couldn't believe how many guys broad jumped um, no, it was vertical jumped over 35 inches. I was in shock how many times we had to move the thing up, because because it's it, it was per it was like per the number of kids you had, you know, per 200 kids. I was shocked at how many kids went over 35, and we we actually checked it a few times. Like, did we set do the settings yeah. wrong? Yeah. It, it kids were just leaping through the roof, and and it was a lot of guys that at the you know you get a lot of these guys that. Not everybody knows about either there eventually become LSU guys because they're all going to go to LSU's camp, all the kids from Louisiana, and they're going to go there first before they go anywhere else, right? And so they go there first, and if they end up getting those an offer from LSU, LSU does a, the best job of any school in the country of keeping that under wraps as much as humanly possible before it gets out to everywhere. So they have a little bit of a couple of months advantage in some cases before it gets out that this guy is a dude. And the state themselves is so, they're so rabid. The boosters, the, the high school coaches, everybody sort of works in union as long as everything's okay at LSU. The famous Leonard Fournette story that he wanted to, I believe it was Texas he wanted to visit. And there was no way he was leaving the state to do that. Now he looked, you know, he looked at Alabama. Of course, came down to Alabama and Texas pretty much at the end. But there were reports to me that he was not allowed to leave the state. And, and the people who were handling his recruitment, obviously his family, but also everybody down there as you know, seven on seven coaches, handlers, like just like every other state, uh, they they were told no, like almost shutting down the border to not let him go there to visit. And that's kind of 
the Louisiana mentality is, you know, how up in Jersey, you know, Shiano's going to put a wall around Jersey, right? That doesn't exist. There's, there's a wall around Louisiana. And, and to break through it, like if a Devante Smith, you know, who originally committed to Georgia and ended up going to Alabama, it's really hard for those guys. And you look at, you know, um, Landon Collins making that decision on TV and the reaction of his mom. Yep. And that's the reaction of everybody in the state of Louisiana. And he felt like an outcast, even from his own family, for choosing Alabama. So there's a different culture down there, as you mentioned. And I, that's why it's just set up. I mean, I could go to LSU and be the head coach. And I, I you know, I don't know X's and O's, and I couldn't coach a game, and I, I, it would be awful, but I could recruit. I could certainly recruit kids. Uh, you know, LSU, Saban did it, Les Miles did it, uh, Orgeron did it. And Les Miles isn't a great recruiter. Saban is, Orgeron is. Brian Kelly's not a great recruiter, but he's going to get those kids. Um, and they will win a national title every few years because of that. Now, if they catch fire, let's say they get a really good coach. Um, let's say Brian Kelly gets it figured out. They could win two and three years. That's how good they are. So they're always going to be there for different reasons than Alabama and Georgia. Um, you know, they have good recruiting advantages in the Southeast and Georgia is a great state to recruit, but Louisiana is just different. So that's why I include them and the rich that are, they, they weren't good last year. They're not going to be good this year, but just wait, give them oh, another yeah. year and they're going to be really, really good. Oh yeah. Yeah. You have to, and, and recruiters that go in there from the outside, like, you need to know what when you go into like the different high schools, what that's like, what's what what Simeon is like, what what Shreveport area is like, what um um what uh and the car is like, what Baton Rouge is like, you know. So it's 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 crazy how um, you know where Jordan Batiste came from, um, where. Um, uh, what's it, what was the team name? Who, who's the receiver who played for LSU? Who was with not not OBJ, but uh, the other guy? They're on the same team at the same time. Oh, um, uh, the, the, uh, not, oh. Uh, he's all a famer. Um, uh, no, no, no. He played for the Dolphins. I don't think he's all a famer. I can't believe I can't remember his name. I know exactly who you're talking about too. He played with OBJ. They played in the NFL together. They were on the Browns. Um, oh, oh, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry. Jar- Jar- Jarvis Landry, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. So, you know, Jarvis Landry, like this, his Jam- Jamar Chase. Like Jamar he, Chase. He, he committed to Kansas. He committed to Florida. And everybody is like, okay, that's cute. You can do that. Kansas? Sure. <laughs> right. Do, you know, do they know what okay. Lutcher is like? Have you, ever, you I've been to Lutcher, right? You come into Lutcher, it's, it's one of the – I would say like Louisiana is, and I meant Lutcher when I said Simeon. Simeon's in Chicago. Well, Lutcher is when you come when you come off uh, the highway, and you go to the gas station there. They have a little food place, and the food place has gas station food and a casino. So you go, and it's not like a casino like you think right. casino. Just it's a casino, but it's like a little t- yeah. So yeah. like. When you're going in there as a recruiter and, and you don't understand what that's like and you, and you don't understand how the kids uh, that live along where Lutcher is, where Lutcher High School is, there's a, all those uh, kids come from that area, the really best players. They lived literally along those houses along Lutcher High School. 
and they would walk over to the high school and practice. And, and so, you know, and the car, which is inner city, New Orleans, if I'm not mistaken, right. Uh, but a powerhouse, which you don't normally see in a lot of inner city programs, but a mega powerhouse and all, you know, St. Augustine where Fournette comes from. Those guys all have like the, the relationships that go around the high school coaches. When they leave somewhere, they go to another place that also has a tremendous loyalty to LSU. And it's really, really interesting. It's such a unique place. They have such an advantage from that standpoint. And it's also why I think the other Louisiana schools, those other schools like um, the University of Louisiana, Louisiana Tech, right. in their respective conferences have been able to enjoy a certain amount of, of success because there's a lot of kids that like – you go to those schools, you're still a megastar. Like you're, you could go home and they are celebrating you. It's, it's not like, you know, Rutgers and, and I, and, and Chiano's the one guy in New Jersey who can do it. If someone could do it, he can do it because he puts, a, he's got the resources and the ability to get them lined up within like nobody else can. But, um, you know, if, if you're from uh, a, a shore conference school, and you get to go to Rutgers, to them, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's not – they don't think about it in that way. If Shiano – that's why they had to bring Shiano back as a head coach because he's the only one that could possibly make guys think about it that way, you know, at least in, 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 in recent memory. Actually, he's the only guy I can think of ever that did. So, I mean, I can't, can yeah. you think of anybody that really no, – No, 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 no. I mean, the no. guy in the 90s I mean, – was close because he had Ray Lucas and he had um, uh, the quarterback Forte. They were both very good quarterbacks. He was like a quarterback. I can't even remember his name, um, but he recruited me when I was high school. But they they were close. But there was it was really like close in a sense that he got in some excellent players in certain positions like quarterback, which won them games, no doubt. But not like Chiano's been able to get like kind of a full breath. And I'd love to see. I listen. It would be great if Purdue and or Rutgers yeah. and Iowa could do it. You know, Iowa's been close, but mm. Iowa always has an issue when it comes down to speed. I think is and always quarterback deep. play. They don't do well at quarterback play. And um, you know, and, and, and you know, back to New Jersey. I mean, you can get good players, but the Jabril Peppers of the world—they're always going to leave. They're just going to. I mean, you never ever look at Rutgers. Never. It was Stanford originally, then it was Michigan. He was not going to go to Rutgers. And, you know, there's other guys like that that have been really big stars in the state of New Jersey. Whereas Louisiana, if a kid leaves, it's, you know, a Landon Collins leaves, it's a shock. It's a shock to even his family. Um, so, you know, LSU is, is in good shape. Uh, Brian Kelly, be careful what you wish for. I mean, he wanted to have free reign in recruiting. Uh, Marcus Freeman showing you can recruit better at Notre Dame than than Brian Kelly did, but Brian Kelly's the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame history, so he's got a really high bar to get over. But Brian Kelly's got to recruit like Ed Orgeron did. He's got that 2019 team in people's minds, and that's what they're expecting and looking for. And you know, if he doesn't reach that, then he could be. I mean, he's got a guaranteed hundred million dollars. Eight-year deal, but uh, whatever. But he's still he could be bought out in three years. So that's the danger of of the big-time programs. But you know, and you, you look at the playoff. Michigan State is kind of an outlier. 
Washington's an outlier. Cincinnati's an outlier. They made the playoffs. But it's it's really mostly the same teams every year. And I don't think that's going to change no matter what happens. Um, you know, maybe we get some upsets this year. I mean, Georgia is going to be loaded. But there's, you know, Kentucky's a really good team in, in the East. Um, maybe somebody can unseat, you know, Saban out West. Maybe Ole Miss or Arkansas or Texas A&M. But really right now I could pencil in Georgia – Alabama in the SEC title game, and there, I don't think there would be anybody that would object. I, I agree with you. There, there's no doubt about it. It's uh, now the then the question is, what can be done to inject parity? Is there anything that can be done to inject parity at this point? Like I, I feel like it maybe just the only thing that could create some parity, I think, is what you said, is if you get a playoff. And Wisconsin somehow, I'm using them as an example, but USC or Wisconsin goes on a run and they get themselves to the final and they do that a couple of times. Then they're going to get some more recruits and maybe it shifts. But the question is, does it really shift or does it just shift from Ohio State to Wisconsin, the recruits? Like, are they are they still going to Ohio State and Wisconsin then? Or are they shifting? See, that's what you would need to have a shift of recruits saying, okay, I'm not going to go to Ohio state anymore. If I'm a five-star, I'm going to go to Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That's my, that's why I don't know if that's going to not going to happen. I mean, parody to me is what it is. It's not going to be the NFL, you know, where you're going to have different dynasties every few years because, you know, free agency exists in college football, but there's no salary cap. So, you know, I just think the rich are going to get richer and, and we're going to have to take it from there. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I think I think I got I got a roll. Yeah, I'll let you roll. And before before we cut out, reminder: myfootballcamps.com slash d one or ncsports.com slash d one. Me and Mike do that promo for you. Uh, we encourage you to obviously do one time promo, and then from there, you know, let's talk about doing the six month promo because I think it's more advantageous for you. Check that out. Uh, if you have questions, we're obviously our DMs are open. And yeah, at, at M Farrell Sports on Twitter, at Coach Schumann on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're everywhere. Um, yeah, I got a hard out radio thing so people can talk about Caleb Williams, which I wanted to avoid. So I will let you we'll go. Let you go. And, Thanks, and we'll see you next week. All right. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.